0: So wonderful to see you've returned to Odds Bodkins Curiosity Shop. I am your shopkeeper, Chris Baker, and today we've got a curious little item, or items, if you will. If you'll take a look over here, I've taken the liberty of pulling this from the display case. Now, this is a velvet pouch, red in color, and if we open up this pouch, we will find that the contents within are dice. But these dice are of various shapes and sizes and colors. And if we take a look at this one here in particular, this one seems to have 20 sides. If we give it a roll, there's no telling where this die may take us. And therein lies the essence of today's episode of Odds Bodkins Curiosity Shop. So let's pull out the kinetoscope and take a look at the new film Dungeons and Dragons honor among thieves. So I have been a fan of the idea of Dungeons and Dragons ever since I was a little kid. I've always been into not just horror, not just science fiction, but fantasy as well. I love swords and sorcerers and those types of movies. And I've always been a fan of things like Conan the Barbarian, Fire and Ice, the Dungeons & Dragons animated cartoon series. But I never actually played Dungeons & Dragons until not too long ago. Of course, as a kid growing up, I was a very visual kid. I, I I wasn't as into reading as a kid as I wish I would have been as I became later in life. Uh, I wasn't really into... Playing games where it's just theater of the mind. I didn't really want to get into role-playing. The whole idea of dice and just uh, essentially having a character sheet and not being able to see things. I liked, you know, having a little piece I could move around on the board. I was simple that way. But uh, as a kid, uh, Dungeons & Dragons, like I said, I I liked it in theory. The idea behind it, the creatures, the the warriors... Uh, the, the different races that all intrigued me. I just didn't want to play it as a role playing game. I, you know, uh, my one friend brought Dungeons and Dragons to a uh, like a big sleepover my, my best friend was having, and we were gonna play it. We started to, and then we all got bored and went out and played Army Men or something like that. But it wasn't until uh, it's been probably within the past five years, six years, even more, probably like 2015, 2016, uh, a couple friends of mine who are are longtime D&D players got me playing the game Neverwinter. And I I liked that because it was a, you know, it was a video game adaptation of the role-playing game of Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, I, I played that for quite some time until, you know, slowly... All my never winner friends, D D friends, all kind of just stopped playing, and it was just me, and it kind of got boring, and and. I'll I'll be honest, uh, Neverwinter has turned into more of a cash grab. You spend time and money and and assets to try and build your character up, and then all of a sudden they change it. And while you're the top level one day, uh, they make a change, and then all of a sudden you're not a top level player, and you got to spend more money. So uh, I stopped playing Neverwinter a long time ago, but it really was a good introduction for me into the world of... Dungeons and Dragons and the Sword Coast and uh, the the City of Neverwinter and all the the surrounding areas and then my my D&D friends invited me to actually play their role play game uh their role play version of Dungeons and Dragons and I've been uh, I've done several campaigns with them over the past uh oh i think i probably started with them in 2019 2020 somewhere around there and have really enjoyed that now we play D D at least once a week once a month we do it twice a week and and i'm really a, a huge fan of dungeons, dungeons and dragons so all that to say i was really excited when i found out that there was going to be a dungeons and dragons movie out now this isn't the first time we've had a dungeons and dragons movie out there was One in 2000, starring Justin Whalen and Marlon Wayans, and it was just not good. I've tried to purge from my memory uh, most everything I I remember seeing in that movie. It's been over 20 years now since I've watched it, and I I don't remember a lot about it. I just remember it not being very good. And I was really afraid that was going to be what this is going to turn out to be. I mean, I like the look of the cast. For the most part uh, i like chris pine but uh but was it going to be that good i know it was going to be very cg centric because you know you get a lot of these creatures that they can only do in cg uh was it going to be good quality cg i i was really uh, on the fence and very hesitant about this movie but you know i i wanted to watch it i wanted to support it i like the idea of fantasy Coming back to the forefront of cinema. We're starting to see it in television, but I, I'd like to see more movies. And I thought, at the very least, this is a good start. So when I found out that this movie was coming out, I was all in. I was going to go watch it. (laughs) My wife was even on board with going to watch this with me. Uh, But the night we were going to go watch it Saturday evening. And as fate would have it, or a natural one on the dice, uh, we had this huge windstorm here where I live in Northwest Pennsylvania, and it knocked out power to the movie theater. So uh, my wife and I didn't go watch it then. I ended up Having to go see it uh, this afternoon. I'm recording this on Sunday uh, before this airs on Monday, and she was off doing some grocery shopping, and I uh, went to see this by myself. But this is a movie that I really enjoyed, and my wife, who is not a Dungeons and Dragons fan, she's never played the game, she's not really into that sort of thing she would have liked this as well. And and I think if you haven't watched this and you're kind of on the fence about it, thinking, yeah, it's Dungeons & Dragons. I don't know anything about Dungeons & Dragons. I don't know if I'm going to watch this. I, I tell you what, you don't have to be a D&D fan. You don't have to know anything about the game. There's a lot in this movie, a lot of references to, to D&D, the lands the races, the peoples, the magic, and the weapons. But those are all kind of fan service things for the D&D fans. To enjoy the story, you just have to like a good action comedy. And that is what you get with this. And you don't have to know anything about Dungeons & Dragons to really enjoy this movie. So if you've been on the fence about this and you're kind of scared off by the title Dungeons & Dragons, don't go out and watch this movie. And from here on out, we are going to have some spoilers. So if you don't want anything spoiled for you, please go watch the movie, come back and listen to the podcast, see what I think about it, see if it how it compares to what you think about this movie. And if you have watched this or you're on the fence, and you don't know, uh, keep on trucking. We'll talk about it. I'm not going to go through every scene step-by-step. Uh, step. We're going to talk about the characters. We're going to talk about some of the bigger story plot points. There are going to be spoilers, but uh, but I'm not going to spoil everything for you. If you haven't watched this movie and, you like I said, you're kind of on the fence and you want to hear, eh, what's this about? I'm going to spoil it for you, but I'm not going to tell you everything that happens. So from here on out, there are going to be spoilers. So I've heard a lot of people describing this movie in a very oversimplified uh, synopsis. And I really don't think it gives the the plot and the reason this movie is happening enough justice. So I'm going to go into a, a little bit more accurate description of this movie and and where this movie starts you have this bard edgen darvis played by chris pine who uh he's married has a wife has a young baby He's a part of this order called the Harpers. They're peacekeepers. They're spies. They're, they're good people. They're there they're to, to put down tyranny. And he ends up crossing the wrong people, Red Wizards. They're, they're bad guys in this world of Dungeons and Dragons. And the Red Wizards exact their revenge on him by attacking his family and essentially killing his wife. He befriends a a character, Holga, played by Michelle Rodriguez, and they essentially have this like brother sister relationship and end up raising Ed's young daughter, Kira. Ed finds out about this tablet that will bring somebody back to life and he gets a group of his uh, adventuring friends together to go steal this tablet and while they're stealing it uh, one of his friends played by Hugh Grant Forge Fitzwilliam uh, he brings along a sorcerer who ends up kind of cocking the whole thing up and, and you really see in this well Chris Pine's character, Ed, is trying to steal this tablet. You see this sorcerer that the Hugh Grant character brings along is looking at this horn, which plays a, a big part in the story to come. Uh, Chris Pine and Michelle Rodriguez get captured. And that's where we start off is that they're in jail and the Edgen Darvis character is trying to get back home to his daughter, who is being taken care of by by the Forge Fitzwilliam character. So we're going to talk about this movie. We're going to talk about the different characters. And we'll, we'll talk about the movie through uh, the characters and what they bring to the table. And then we'll kind of give into an overview of... Of the movie itself, but I do want to kind of establish these characters and what I liked and what I didn't like about the characters and the performances and and the actors who played them. So uh, first off, we'll we'll talk about Chris Pine as the and Darvis character. He is a bard. He's a member of the Harpers, like I said. Uh, they're a group of uh, of guys and, and gals who are are peacekeepers and trying to to help uh, quell tyranny within the lands. He's a he's an honorable guy, but after his wife is killed, he falls away and gives in to drink and thievery, and that's kind of how he gets caught up in the whole heist to to get this tablet. Uh, he's he's doing it for a good cause, but he falls in with the wrong person who fell in with another wrong person and they have nefarious intent. And that's kind of how that whole thing goes haywire. But I I like Chris Pine as this Edgen Darvis character because he he really plays a good bard because he has that kind of natural charisma. And that's one of the things I like about Chris Pine as an actor. He's one of those actors that I never think of him as one of my favorite. I hear a movie, oh, Chris Pine's in that. Oh, that should be pretty good. He's not bad. But then I watch the movie that Chris Pine's in and I realized how good of an actor he is and how much I do actually like his performances. And And this is one of those movies where I heard Chris Pine's the lead in this. I was like, oh, okay, it, it should be okay. He, he's all right. And then I watch it and I realize he was really perfect for this role because he has a natural charisma and a natural charm that you really need for a lead and a lead who is playing a bard. He's kind of the the guy in the group that that comes up with all the plans and and he has a natural charisma that that people want to follow. So you you get why he would be the guy that's that's coming up with all the plans and everybody's like, "Okay, yeah, this could work because because he has that natural ability to charm you into thinking, "Yeah, this this probably could work." No matter how Harebrained the idea is, and and Chris Pine, uh, his performance really lent itself to that type of character, and and I also liked it because you did get a little bit of the the heart involved with a, a man who who lost his wife and wasn't there for his daughter like he should have been. Uh, you have the the Holga character that was really there for Ed's daughter more than he was uh, in in lieu of having a, a mother and and of course a father that just wasn't wasn't as involved as he should have been in his daughter's life. And you also get a lot of the realization of that once he he finally gets back to the city of Neverwinter where his daughter and Forge are, are at because he finds out that Forge is now the leader of the city of Neverwinter in place of Lord Neverember, which is uh, I, I loved that direct link to the Neverwinter game that I'm very familiar with. But once he Gets reconnected with his daughter Kira, uh, who's played by Chloe Coleman. Uh, I really enjoyed her. Uh, she's not in it a ton, but what she is, she does a good job with playing this this kid who uh, is is kind of distant from her father. She's closer to the the Holga character than she is her own father. She's closer to the Forge. Fitzwilliams character than she is her own father and you you feel that distance but you also feel that love uh that wanting relationship with her father to be better but uh she just doesn't feel like he cares and they had a they had some good scenes together uh good father-daughter scenes and then that that final scene which we'll talk about a little bit later it's just uh, a very heart-wrenching scene and gave this movie a lot of uh beautiful emotion that that really helped Make this more than just a comedy, more than just an action fantasy. And one of the things I really liked about the movie. Again, we'll talk about that coming up. The Michelle Rodriguez character, I really enjoyed her as the Holga Kilgore. She's a barbarian. She's exiled because she loved the wrong person. And and I will say this, uh, the they have this scene where she goes back to her old home. Uh, back to the home of her ex-husband. And we find out that he is—I don't—they don't really say who he is or, or what he is, whether he's a halfling or a gnome, but uh, he is this little fella, and Bradley Cooper plays the the husband, and And it's just, it's, it's not a, like the character is not funny, but just seeing Bradley Cooper as this shrunk down version of himself was entertaining to say the least. Now, I I will say that whether he was a halfling or a a gnome, I I wasn't big on that CG. Uh, It just felt like somebody that is shrunk down. They didn't use any forced perspective like they did, like on Lord of the Rings, where uh, or, or they used shorter actors as as body doubles or anything like that. This was just purely a CG. They shrunk Bradley Cooper's body down using digital effects. And probably some of the worst CG. Uh, in a movie that I thought the CG was pretty spot on, I just didn't care for that way of, of shrinking Bradley Cooper down to make him the size of a, a halfling or, or a gnome or, or whatever. But as a scene, it worked because Bradley Cooper is this character and Michelle Rodriguez is Holga. And just the whole interaction was just uh, unexpected and, and quite charming and, like I said, very entertaining. But Holga this barbarian who is not the smartest but Jesus please us, does she get some badass battle scenes? I mean, almost every battle scene has her uh, either by herself or, or with the group. But it's those ones by herself that she just kicks ass. Michelle Rodriguez handled the physicality and the fight choreography just splendidly. And it, it really, the fight scenes, especially the first couple that you see her in, are just well done and and michelle rodriguez like i said handles the the choreography and the physicality of it and is very believable as this strong barbarian badass and i really liked how she's got this battle axe that she uses and in one of the fight scenes kind of later in the the movie it gets dipped into some like molten metal or whatever and then you pull it out and i can't remember what the type of axe the type of battle axe but it's a a a type of of acts i've seen in the neverwinter game before and it was just kind of a cool little they don't reference it they don't call it anything in particular but i'm like oh, oh i've seen that i've seen that axe in neverwinter i've probably used that with some of my character and uh had something to do with fire i can't remember right offhand, but it, it's little easter eggs like that and little touches like that that you know, it's it looks cool for the lay fan, for the for the person that doesn't know anything about D and D or Neverwinter or anything like that. They're like, oh, that looks cool. That's uh, look what happened to that axe. It looks badass. Uh, but for for the people who've played Neverwinter and who people who have played Dungeons and Dragons and have seen the artwork and and things like that, they're gonna see that and be like, oh, that's whatever. Uh, hopefully your recall is better than mine as to what that axe is called. But I really enjoyed Michelle Rodriguez's uh, role as Holga. She does a, a really good job as kind of a, a straight man to Chris Pine. Uh, she has some, some lines where it is, you know, she's tough and, and she's not quite stoic. But she's no nonsense, and when you get Chris Pine being, there's one scene where uh, he's, you know, she helps him do something I can't remember, and he says, "Oh, I could kiss you," and she's like, "Try it," and it just, it's little back and forth, little could be a throwaway line, but just the way it's delivered is is quite funny and. And she pulls that off well, as well as Chris Pine, making ordinary lines funny just by his delivery. Then you have Justice Smith. He plays Simon. He's a half-elf uh, sorcerer. Uh, this character in the trailer, I thought, oh, this is going to be kind of an annoying character. And the character is a little annoying to begin with. He's a, a sorcerer, but he's not very good at it. Or at least he thinks he's not very good at it and ends up being better at it than he really gives himself credit for. And that's a lot of his story is just not happening having the the self confidence to to be the sorcerer that he could be. And that plays into an artifact they find that that they need to help move the story along kind of the McGuffin of that segment of the story and he really struggles with having confidence in himself and holding himself back. And then when you get into that, I, I think the I think that's where Justice Smith really uh, comes into his own as this character and it's less annoying and more okay, I like this character. I'm pulling for this character. And and there again, Justice Smith does a, a good job of being that kind of annoying character to begin with and then being character that you're rooting for by the time it's all said and done. And there's a bit of a love interest between uh, himself and the Doric character, which we'll be talking about here in a second. That's It's kind of fun. It was like a, a situation where he courted this character Doric. It was sort of a it's not you, it's me sort of breakup. Uh, she decided she didn't want to be with him because he made her sad. Uh, not because he did anything just by being him. And, and that whole situation was funny. That's, I think, kind of where you start to to feel for the Simon character. You're like, oh, we, we've all been there. Guys, you know, you you've been there at one point or another. Then, of course, you've got the Sophia Lillis character. She plays Doric. And, of course, you know her from the uh, two It movies. She plays a tiefling druid who is... uh, I I like this character because uh, she seems very young and very idealistic. And she has been... You know, her people, she is a part of a group called the Emerald Enclave. And they are very much in tune with nature and... She has a bone to pick with this Forge Fitzwilliams character because ever since he took over uh, Neverwinter, he has pushed her people out. And she really is the impetus for some of the the coolest scenes because as a druid, she can wild shape and, and turn into various animals. And there's one scene where she's escaping Castle Never and probably one of the coolest chase scenes because... Yeah, it's all done through some CG trickery, but they treat it like a one-shot where they are following her character through the halls and through different places, uh, through this castle as she's trying to escape, and she's changing from a fly to a mouse to a cat to a deer through all these things to get away and it's really a fun scene it made what could have been a very boring chase scene into something very interesting and that's that's some of the the coolness you get from Dungeons and Dragons as opposed to to some other action movie where there again it'd be just somebody running through castle hallways whereas this you can do fun things like that. You can let your imagination go wild as a director or as a screenwriter and, and do things that are going to be visually interesting on the screen. And and they did that with this character. This Doric character allowed them to do things like that. And, of course, there's some other really cool scenes. The scene with the owlbear that we see in the trailer well, was quite fun. The relationship between Doric and Simon... Uh, him constantly asking about the relationship and trying to, to court her again and how it all ends up at the end where maybe she's willing to, to give him a second chance after they've uh, saved the world together. It was it was all a lot of good fun. And these characters could have easily just felt along for the ride when you have two you know, quality actors like Chris Pine and Michelle Rodriguez being kind of the co leads. But they really, there was a lot of agency with these characters, and the actors did a good job making you care about them. So I really enjoyed that. There's the Ray J. Jean Page character, Zank which uh, I really enjoyed him. He and Chris Pine had some really good chemistry on the screen. He plays a paladin. He's kind of like this movie's version of an NPC player, a non-playing character. He's a paladin who is helping them to find this artifact to help them Uh, advance themselves in the quest it's it's the artifact this helmet that simon has to use later on again like a MacGuffin, just to keep the the story moving forward but he knows where it's at and he has all the answers to help them get there and he has a really badass fight scene against some uh, fae assassins which i I really enjoyed that Uh, i mean aside from the michelle rodriguez fight scene stuff that was one of the coolest fight scenes as well he just wasn't in the movie that much. Uh, he helped them get this this artifact, this helmet, and then leaves. But I would have liked to have seen him more. And I hope if they do a sequel, we get to see more of him. Uh, because like I said, I really enjoyed the interaction between Reggae jean Page and Chris Pine. I thought they had a really good back and forth and a lot of natural chemistry that was quite fun and quite enjoyable. And of course, there's the Hugh Grant character, Forge Fitzwilliams. He is a con man, kind of a a rogue character, uh, although he's not the, like I said, he's not the traditional rogue that you would see in a lot of uh, D&D games. He leans more towards the con man uh, as opposed to the trickster, And but but Hugh Grant is, is so good in everything he does. Uh, the guy just eats up scenery like it's lunch and really steals the scenes he is in. He plays this con man who ends up controlling the city of Neverwinter. He is the Lord Protector of Neverwinter as the, the original Lord Protector, Lord Neverember, has fallen ill. And there's no bones about it that the Red Wizard of Thay that he's been working with, Safina played by Daisy Head. She's the sorceress that we saw earlier. We didn't realize she was a red wizard of Thay. Uh, If you don't know anything about Neverwinter, they're bad guys. Essentially is what it boils down to. She is a bad guy. Posing is not a bad guy. And she and Forge Fitzwilliams have their own alliance to get their own ends. Forge Fitzwilliams wants uh, gold and treasure. She wants something more nefarious. So they're working together to get what they want but the Forge Fitzwilliams character uh, Hugh Grant does a really good job much like Chris Pine there's just a natural charisma to him and as a con man you really feel that that quality about Hugh Grant's performance where he's charming enough to make you think that okay he's not a bad guy he's he's not a bad guy he's not going to be a villain and then once he turns he's still a bad guy but he's still being very charming and it's just it's very off-putting in a good way and and there again like i said uh, hugh grant does a really good job with this character in every scene you know he just he has such a uh hugh grant delivery to things uh stuttering and pausing and and a weird cadence to his delivery that is it's why Hugh Grant is such a charming actor, and why he lands all those you know rom-com roles that we're so used to him being in, because he has that natural charm about him, much like Chris Pine. It's a different kind of charm, but it's a charm all the same, and it leans into him being a con man. You would you would want to be charming to to lull people into this false sense of security uh, before you strike, and then you're stealing everybody's gold. And, and Hugh Grant does a really good job with that. And then, of course, the Daisy Head character, uh, Safina. Uh, the character, it can feel very much like this villain is not very fleshed out. Uh, we find out through some exposition earlier in the movie that she is using this, this red horn that she was using the group to get to at the very beginning of the movie to create an army of the undead. And and take over, you know, try to take over Thay with it. She is going to take over Neverwinter with this, and that really is the end game for her. Uh, We don't really know much about the character because we don't need to. This really much is also like an NPC character. It's just the bad guy, and and that's how things are in D anD. d You don't necessarily need to know the backstory of why this character is a bad guy. They're just a bad guy, and that's why. If you're watching and you're thinking, oh, yeah, I don't know anything about this. You don't need to know. Uh, the characters are are the ones who you need to know about because they are the group. They are the people playing D&D right now. And then you kind of have to look at this movie as a, a physical representation on the screen of what it's like to play a campaign in Dungeons & Dragons. There are characters that are being played by real people, and then there are characters that that are just there as something to battle or as somebody to give exposition or somebody to help you along the way. And and that's really how this movie is. And I think that's one of the things I liked about this movie because this movie really did feel like a theatrical version of what it's like for you and your friends to get together and play a campaign of Dungeons & Dragons. So all in all, I really did like this movie, and there was a lot to like. Whether you're a D&D fan of a lot of years, or maybe you're newer to D&D like me, or you don't like D&D at all, or you don't even care about D&D at all, but you like a good fantasy, you like action-adventure, that sort of thing. I think there's a lot to love about this movie. You get a lot of great fantasy elements with all of the different characters and races. You get a ton of the different races that you would get in the D&D world. I think we only have one Dwarf we only have one ogre or orc. I don't know if it was supposed to be maybe an orc. But uh, but you do get half-elves and elves. You get a tiefling with the Doric character. I think even more so than the different races in Neverwinter, you get a lot of the different uh, beasts that you would uh, find in the game. You get the owlbear, you get displacer beasts, you get a gelatinous cube. You get those brains that walk around on four legs. I was disappointed that we went into the Underdark and didn't see any drow. But there again, you know, if this becomes more of a franchise and more of a D&D universe, we may see things like that. I know there has been talk of maybe doing a Dritt Stewarden movie, even more so than just some of the some of the. Animated stuff that's been done. There's talk of a Dragonlance movie that we'll, we'll talk about. It really doesn't delve into Drow, but, but I think there's a lot of opportunities if this movie does well and they decide to do a bigger expanded universe for Dungeons & Dragons. I like how you got, uh, if you're a D&D fan, I like how you got a lot of the elements of D&D within this, whether it be the weapons, whether it be spells being used, whether it's rules of the game essentially being explained to you, like a a DM is explaining it, I, I love the scene where they're at the at the end of the bridge and these Zink characters explaining all the rules and how they're supposed to cross this bridge successfully. And it just kind of felt like a d a DM explaining the rules that are very complicated, and then somebody does something stupid or foolish, and it wrecks the whole thing. It just very much felt like something you would find in a game uh, the part where Simon is using this medallion to speak with the dead I've I've used that spell before with different characters in the game I've never used it on a medallion or anything like that but I've used that spell and the the idea that once you uh, raise the dead you can ask them five questions and they they're like why five questions that seems a bit arbitrary and it's just kind of funny very self-aware without being too overly meta quality that this movie had in regards to the rules of Dungeons and Dragons which I I found very funny and Jesus pleases that scene in that graveyard with the speak with the dead and them trying to find (laughs) find the person that knows the answer to the questions they have and all the back and forth between chris pine and the other characters chris pine and the dead it just was a hilarious scene that probably one of those scenes that i laughed out loud the most about and that i think is part of the reason why i think you don't have to be a DD fan or even know the game to enjoy this because you know if you love fantasy Oh, or you just, like I said, love a good action adventure. There's plenty of that. This is a two-hour and 14, 15-minute movie, and it doesn't feel like it at all. The movie keeps a really good pace, and there's constant action, and there's constant uh, involvement with the characters, and there's some story development with the characters, and you get uh, some emotion with the characters. And, and like I said, a lot of action scene. This is This movie really kind of reminds me of what they do right with the guardians of the galaxy movie it's just a good mix of action and comedy that makes her a very enjoyable watch and it doesn't matter if it's two hours and 15 minutes uh, it's never going to feel like it because the action keeps moving along at a pace where you're not burn out by the end but you're not sitting there watching the time at at any point in the movie and i think that combination of action and humor helps that because you get this fever pitch pace of action and it's broken up with some levity and they did a really good mix of that i liked how they really built a world without explaining it. You know, you get that map section at the beginning where you're starting. You find out you're starting in Icewind Dale. And for anybody that doesn't know the game, it's not going to mean anything to you. And it really doesn't need to mean anything to you. You're just seeing the world at a glance uh, from where you're starting to where we're going to end up in the city of Neverwinter. And none of the other places really matter in the context of this uh, story that we're witnessing, but if you're a and d fan, if you're a Neverwinter fan, you know these locations, and, and I loved all those references, not just the creatures, not just the races, but the different locations. Icewind Dale, uh, Neverwinter, they mentioned Baldur's Gate, stuff like that is just little nods to the game that really make it very immersive for a, a fan of Neverwinter and creates a bigger world that for, for the lay fan for the person that doesn't know anything about D, oh wow what's what's this place i i want to find out more about this place and and it i think will lead to very interesting locations for us to go when they talk about Waterdeep, what deep what does that even mean it'll get people interested in the game maybe or at the very least interested in where things go in the future of this franchise and the one really cool cameo. I mentioned the Bradley Cooper cameo uh, earlier, but there was one badass. Oh my god, it sent chills down my spine because I was so happy they included this. Because you remember back in the 80s, they did that Dungeons and Dragons cartoon where this group of friends get on this kind of roller coaster car, uh, they're going through this kind of fun house for Dungeons and Dragons and then they get teleported to the world of Dungeons and Dragons and they become the uh, various characters, the ranger, the cavalier, the acrobat, the wizard, stuff like that, the barbarian. There are these these characters that are iconic with this, this cartoon from back in the 80s and they've been uh, cosplayed and they've been in TV commercials and... All sorts of things. I think a lot of people would love to see a TV series with them, a live action TV series or a live action movie. We got the closest thing here as the big finale is coming and there's this big arena fight where there's a maze and there's Displacer Beasts and our group Chris Pine's character Ejen Darvis and his his band of merry men are with two other groups and and the one group is just kind of various races and various different kind of stereotypical D&D characters. There's That's the one scene where we get a dwarf and he looks very much like a Lord of the Rings style dwarf. I think a lot of those characters looked very Lord of the Rings-ish. You had an Aragorn looking character. You had a Gimli looking character. But the third group that we see and you see them from a a little bit of a distance but the costumes are so iconic and it is that group from the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon from back in the 80s and they don't have any lines you'll only see them in flashes running through this maze there is a scene where they end up you're supposed to uh, get to this this cage to like lock yourself in so the Displacer Beast doesn't get you. And we see them in there. We just get brief glimpses of them. Uh, like I said, no real dialogue or anything. But it was just such a nod to the fans of D&D for them to add them into this. And it just, it warmed my heart. I was so, uh, I was so elated. I don't know but if anybody else in the movie theater caught it. Uh, I, I would hope they did if they're D&D fans. But I really enjoyed that cameo, that, just warmed my heart as i said to to see them uh, involve those characters that if you're a kid growing up in the 80s saturday morning cartoons uh you were watching that dungeons and dragons especially if you liked you know the, the fantasy stuff like i did uh, that was a, a fun little nod to the to the cartoon and a fun nod to the the dnd fans but beyond the action beyond the great fight scenes Beyond the interesting, you know, fetch quests that they did, the nods to the game, the spells the different races and characters, this movie, beyond the action and comedy, it had a lot of heart to it. You have this guy, Ejen Darvis, whose wife died, and all he wants to do is bring his wife back for his daughter so she could have the mother she never knew. But then he realizes that he didn't want to bring her back for her daughter. He wanted to bring his wife back for him. His daughter had never known her mother, and it It was selfish. And at the end, when the Holga character is killed, she's stabbed with a a red wizard's blade. And that is what's killed Edge's wife. He has an opportunity to use this tablet to either bring his wife back or bring Holga back. And Holga is there dying and dead and ed's daughter kira is weeping over her because that's really the only mother she's ever known so he could bring back his wife for selfish reasons it's a mother his daughter has never known or he could bring back the only mother figure his daughter has ever known and, and bring back Holga, and he does that. And it's it's just very heartwarming, very touching. It, it really adds a family feel to this. And, and this is the type of movie you can take the family to see. There's a little bit of foul language, you know, little shits and stuff like that, but nothing, you know, kids don't hear on a daily basis anyway. Uh, but it's that sort of family heart and that family warmth that... That brings this movie to a level where, you know, everybody can enjoy this. Whether you love action-adventure, whether you love fantasy, or you love just good movies, you're going to enjoy this. And a great message about, you know, it's not the family you have, it's the family you choose sort of situation. This was a ragtag group of unlikely heroes that came together and saved the world as they have this really good battle between this group and that Red Wizard, the Safina character played by Daisy Head. There was a lot of really good... Uh, CG work in that I think and and that's one of the things I think was a, another triumph of this movie aside from all the other stuff I thought the CG was really good CG could have been really shitty and I did listen to one person one reviewer talking about how the uh, CG was ass and I I, I normally respect this uh, this reviewer's opinion on things but I don't know what the fuck do you want what the okay this movie the CG was shit in it okay uh, then tell me a movie that did cg better i get it marvel cocks up cg all the time because they rush shit out and they don't take the time to refine the cg this wasn't that and there were some things that were obviously cg you can't have a, there's no such thing as a fucking owlbear so yeah obviously it's gonna be cg But I I thought for the most part, the CG wasn't horrible. If you think there is a movie out there with better CG, and I swear to Christ, do not fucking say Avatar or Avatar 2. Avatar 2 and Avatar are mainly CG worlds with CG characters inside of them. So obviously, the CG character is going to blend in well in the CG world. It's when you have CG characters superimposed into the real world. That's where you have problems. That's where CG can get really shitty avatar is like i said for the most part it is cg characters within a total cg world environment so of course it's gonna bud of course it's gonna look fucking amazing it's apples and oranges so don't fucking say avatar has the best cg ever because the whole thing is fucking cg so of course it's not gonna stand out like a whore in a church but if you've got a, a a better CG movie uh, a movie that uses CG better than what this did I, I'd like to know that's not to say that there's not this is the CG is not perfect in this but it, it's certainly not ass and it's certainly not horrible and it's certainly a lot better than some of the stuff Marvel's done and Marvel's you know supposed to be the the top notch and the big budgets and all that I, I thought the CG was pretty good in this I I really enjoyed it and I thought it at times looked very convincing they all also, had a lot of what looked like practical effects as well. Practical masks, uh, you know, they, they had some uh, tabaxi characters that looked like it was real fur. Uh, there's an Eric at the, the beginning that looked like it was a person in a suit with prosthetics and stuff like that. Uh, some stuff that looked really good, some real physical uh, practical effects and practical uh, effects makeup that integrated with the CG, I thought all worked very well and made this again a fantastic movie and a very enjoyable movie and I have to tip my hat to the directors and writers, Jonathan Goldstein and John Francis Daly. Of course they did that movie Game Night. I didn't write it, but they directed it. I never watched it. I heard it was really good and it's a movie that I've always intended to watch. I just kind of forgot about it as, as a lot of people but but they directed this. they also wrote this along with Michael Gaio Uh, hopefully i'm not butchering that name but did a really good job with what could have been a disaster of a movie i mean look at the dungeons and dragons movie from back in 2000 it it could have been a real cock up like that but it wasn't uh this was a really good movie i've seen a lot of uh, people saying best movie of the year this is the perfect movie i won't go that far i'm not drinking the kool-aid that much but as far as fantasy goes this is a really good movie and really enjoyable. And I thought that this movie movie was so much better than I expected. And it gives me hope for the future. I mean, you know, we've got... Some fantasy going on in in Amazon with the Lord of the Rings prequel. We've got some fantasy with the House of the Dragon on HBO Max. You get some fantasy on Netflix with The Witcher. All varying degrees of quality. I think The Witcher is probably the cream of the crop with that. Rings of Power... Uh, I think it's a lot better than people give it credit for, but I do see the flaws in it, and I do see the problems with it. But you're getting little bits of fantasy here and there. I'd like to see a lot more fantasy. I'd like to see fantasy represented as much as you see science fiction and horror represented uh, in the, the on the big screen and the small screen as well. And I think this movie is a, a good starting point for showing that Hey, you know what? You can do some really cool things with fantasy films that people are going to enjoy, people are going to watch, which makes me excited because uh, speaking of D&D, the D&D property, uh, Dragonlance, Joe Manganiello, who is a, a big D&D guy, is talking about spearheading a a live action version. Of course, I love Dragonlance of any of the D and D books uh, that are out there. I've read the Dragonlance, not all of them, uh, but I read the Chronicles, the Legends, some of the later stuff that came along, Dragons of Summer Flame, and all the Chaos stuff, the uh, War of the Soul book of short stories that's kind of set around that time as well uh, so i'm a huge Dragonlance fan i would love to see joe manganello get this off the ground and get a Dragonlance movie because that's the one of the things i i did like this for being an action comedy this dragon or this dungeons and dragons movie but i also like fantasy that doesn't take itself too serious but i want to see uh you know a lord of the rings style fantasy i want to see something that is serious fantasy as well and not just, you know, action comedy and, and fantasy comedy like this. This was fun, but I also want to see some serious stuff, too. And I think you could do a serious Lord of the Rings-style story with the, the Dragonlance. It you know, it'll have some humor. It'll have some some fun in it as well with some of the characters that you have and the relationships of those characters. But I also think that uh, but you could do a real serious drama fantasy with the Dragonland stuff. So I'm really excited to see what happens there. And I'm excited to see what happens with the future of the Dungeons & Dragons franchise with Honor Among Thieves I don't know. I haven't seen any of the box office numbers. I'm hoping it does well. It's big budget. It's like, what, $150 million budget? Uh, I don't know where it's at as far as making its money back, but uh, I pray it does well in the box office. That way we're going to have you know more Dungeons & Dragons movies in the future. So if you haven't watched Dungeons and & Dragons and you, you don't know anything about D&D, don't worry about it. If you like fantasy, you're going to love this. Uh, if you like comedy, you're going to love this. If you like good action adventure, you're going to love this. And I, I don't think you should let Dungeons & Dragons' name scare you away because you don't need to know anything about it to enjoy this movie. So go check it out if you haven't. If you have, hopefully you enjoyed it as much as I do. Uh, if you're kind of on the fence, give it a shot. I think you're going to enjoy this movie. Like I said, if you like fantasy, comedy, action, adventure, Uh, I know Jedis crave not these things, but uh, I want to see a good fucking movie. One reviewer I really enjoy watching, uh, Chris Stuckman. Uh, I don't like name dropping. He doesn't know me. I don't know him other than just watching his videos, but I liked how he said it's fun to watch this movie. And I'm paraphrasing. That doesn't have any any real message it's trying to preach to you. It's just a, a fun fucking movie that you can just sit back and enjoy. And have a good time watching it. And that's like he said, that's what we need more of. Just good fucking movies that are fun to watch. And Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, definitely one of those movies. So I want to thank everyone for listening to my thoughts on Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. A fun movie. Hopefully you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't watched it, go check it out. And I think you'll be I think you'll be pleased. So I want to thank everyone for listening. Check us out on Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop on Facebook. We're always posting trailers uh, to movies and series that are coming out, as well as finding articles from all over the internet, adding my two cents on the horror, fantasy, and science fiction that we all know and love. No matter where you're listening to this podcast, please you know follow it, subscribe to it, whatever you got to do, like it, download the episodes, give us a review. Five stars would be awesome, but whatever review you leave, we do appreciate that. So until next time. Thank you for visiting Odds Bodkins Curiosity Shop. We hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon. But even though you may come back, you never really get to leave Odds Bodkins Curiosity Shop. <laughs>